Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's too funny, Nikhil Harry requesting a trade. Oh, oh my god. What on God's green earth? Whoa, Nikhil Harry requesting a trade. Ooh, not even Julio Jones requested a trade. He just said he was out of there. It just it was all speculation that it would have been a smart decision for the Atlanta Falcons to trade Julio Jones. Not once, I could be wrong, not once do I think that Julio Jones physically requested a trade, like, trade me out of Atlanta. Now, we all know about that Shannon Sharp thing on uh, Undisputed where Shannon Sharp called him and he was like, yeah, I'm out of there. But is that really a, a tra- uh, trade request? I mean, I guess you could look at it as one, but come on, Nikhil Harry. Well, okay, I guess technically his agent came out and said that, I want a trade request for my client. Bro, what have you done in this league to warrant a trade request? It's okay. Let's put this in perspective. Julio Jones, a top five, top three wide receiver in this league, didn't even formally request a trade from the Atlanta Falcons. And he got dealt. Okay. You saw the package that Tennessee gave up. It was, I think, mediocre at best. Okay. But that's for Julio Jones, okay? And when you look at Nikhil Harry, what on God's green earth will A, the Patriots get in return, and B, what team is going to want you? Like, oh my God, Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry wants out of New England. Guys, we got to jump on this right now. We got to trade for Nikhil Harry right now. What? Bro, any team in the NFL will be stupid to trade away higher than a fifth-round pick. I believe there's reports out there that teams are interested, but for a s- conditional like sixth or seventh-round pick or some stu- something stupid like that, it's not even worth it for the Patriots to trade. They should just keep him, push him through training camp, and if he makes the team, great. If not, then move him. Then move him. A former first-round draft pick. A complete bust. 
a complete bust. And I had high expectations for him when we first drafted him. I really thought he was going to gel with Tom Brady uh, in 2019. He was injured. Uh, Nikhil Harry was injured. It didn't really work out. And then Cam Newton and Nikhil Harry kind of thought that was going to work out. He had a great week two against Seattle. And then from there, it's just been downhill. Okay, first, but before we go anywhere, I just had to get that out of my system. And there's tons of more to come from this report that came out a few days ago. But, oh my goodness. But anyways, folks, thank you so much for downloading, listening, enjoying episode 72. Two points. Episode 72 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, and thank you so much for joining me for today's episode, Friday's episode, as we push through into the weekend. Hopefully you had a great week leading up to today. You enjoyed Monday's episode, and I am so happy you are here returning. And if you are new to the podcast, thank you so much for downloading, listening, and joining. That's the thing I'd like to say on the show because I am ever so grateful for every single download every single person that listens and every single person that enjoys this podcast. But yes, oh my goodness, this Nikhil Harry news literally is blowing my mind. It has me so Celtic Skelter right now. I think that's how you say it. I don't even know. (sighs) Oh my God. Okay. If Nikhil Harry was a force to be reckoned with, he could be half of what Justin Jefferson was last year over the course of his first two seasons. So picture what Justin Jefferson did last year for the Vikings. Cut that in half and then give each half to Nikhil Harry for his first two seasons in this league. And that would probably still warrant maybe like a third round pick. Maybe a second, like a conditional second round pick. It's a third, but it can turn into a two if he exceeds and plays better than that third season. But, oh my God, this is so, so stupid. I, I you, you just look foolish. The agent, Jamal Tucson and Nikhil Harry, just look so stupid doing this. Now, I understand Jamal Tucson, uh, Harry's agent, is probably doing what he thinks is best for his client, Nikhil Harry. I get that, and I understand that. And you probably think that this is the right move. But come on. You are you have no leverage. You have zero leverage. Bill Belichick now sees this and could keep you for the next two seasons because that's how long Nikhil Harry is under contract for with the Patriots, two more seasons, and not play you. And could absolutely sit your ass down because you're making cheap money and just shove it in your face, not trade you, and then come the end of that fourth year, you have no value because you've done absolutely nothing except take up a roster space. But that's something Bill Belichick would do. We all have to be honest here. That is something that he would do. Like, I'm going to be completely honest. I would do that. I'm not even kidding. This is such an asinine move. This is so stupid. You have no position of power if you're Harry or Tucson. You have no power, no leverage. If Nikhil Harry performed like Justin Jefferson did last year as the runner-up to the uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year, you have all the leverage. You have none. You have zero. Let me read you what uh, Jamal Tucson, the agent for Nikhil Harry, said in his, I guess, press release, which basically wanted him to 
uh, which basically saying that, hey, I want my client to be traded. So this is what Tucson said. For the past several months, I have been working in cooperation with the Patriots behind the scenes to put a plan in place to allow Nikhil to thrive in New England. Through two seasons, he has 86 targets, which obviously hasn't met the expectations the Patriots and Nikhil had when they drafted a dominant downfield threat who was virtually unstoppable at the point of attack in college. Following numerous conversations with the Patriots, I believe it's time for a fresh start and best for both parties if Nikhil moves on before the start of training camp. That is why I have informed the Patriots today I am formally requesting a trade on behalf of my client. Nikhil understands a key ingredient to production is opportunity. He will continue to work hard to develop and refine his craft after missing a large portion of his rookie year due to injury. His draft day expectations for his NFL career have not changed. We are confident success is just around the corner for him and will aggressively pursue it. Now, I will say this. The Patriots foolishly drafted Nikhil Harry over uh, DK Metcalf and I believe AJ Brown. Believe? Could be wrong about that one. Anyways, where, where do I even begin to dissect this? Because this whole statement is just cluttered with ass. Uh, let's see. Through two seasons, he has 86 targets, which obviously hasn't met the expectations the Patriots and Nikhil had when they drafted, when they drafted him. And I'll, I'll get to this. I'll get to the next part. Don't you worry. 86 targets. Okay. So Nikhil Harry missed roughly half of his rookie season 2019 due to injury. And the opportunities he did get, I mean, I, I heard on the radio that out of a hundred wide receivers or something like that, since 2019, Nikhil Harry has been open 25.5% of his routes. I don't know what the minimum route number is. I would assume probably like 50 or something. You are open 25.5% of the time and you're six, four. And I, how much do you, I don't even know how much you weigh Two something two just call it 240 or 230 I don't, I don't even know i feel like 240 is a little too much let's see Nikhil harry weight 225 you're 6'4 225 probably have two percent body fat and you're only getting open 25.5 percent of the time against single coverage that's what that stat is against single coverage i should have mentioned that now let's not forget Nikhil Harry has been bodied and open field tackled by like 5'10 Bradley Roby for the uh, for the Texans, I believe. I believe that's his name. Last year, open field, Harry had the ball and little 5'10 Bradley Roby tackles him. What kind of downfield dominant threat who is virtually unstoppable at the point of attack gets tackled by a 5'10 undersized cornerback? It makes no sense. Dude, in the first game last year in 2020, he had the ball and he ran to the end zone and he fumbled it through the end zone for a touchback against a undersized defensive back. I don't know who it was, whether it's a cornerback, a safety, whoever. Bro, you can't get open. You can't use your 6-4 frame, 225 frame to beat up these undersized defensive back, cornerbacks, safeties, whoever. 
but you are a dominant downfield threat who was virtually unstoppable at the point of attack in college. Excuse me? I, what? I, I just don't understand where that is coming from. I, I, I just really don't understand. And let's just take a good gander at his college statistics. Let's just take a look at them. Freshman year, 12 games, 58 receptions, 659 yards, 5 touchdowns. Um, let's see, 2017, sophomore year, 13 games, 82 receptions, 1,142 receiving yards, and 8 touchdowns. 2018, junior year, 12 receptions, 70, uh, sorry, 12 games, 73 receptions, 1,088 yards, 9 touchdowns. I mean, is that really a dominant downfield threat? Like, let's just be honest. When I think of a dominant downfield threat, hold on, let me get the exact quote. A dominant downfield threat who is virtually unstoppable at the point of attack in college. Just recent history. Who do you think of that fits that bill? Because first of all, just off the rip, Nikhil Harry is not who I think of. Now, obviously, we could look at the most recent Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, but he, I feel like, class of his own. I'm not going to include him. I didn't even look at his stats, but I just don't want to hear people saying, oh, you just chose the best wide receiver. You just picked the Heisman to compare to. Okay, fine. So I won't do it. Heisman, almost basically virtually the MVP or yeah, of college, right? So I won't pick him. But let's look at 2019 sophomore year Jamar Chase. I think that's fair, right? He sat out 2020 due to COVID. So his last year was 2019 with Joe Burrow and LSU when they won college football playoffs just drafted this past year number five overall to the Bengals so he'll be with Joe Burrow again now when I think of virtual uh, unstoppable downfield attack whatever the hell it is I think of 2019 Jamar Chase okay he didn't win the Heisman but he sure as hell was the best wide receiver that year and I think a virtually unstoppable whatever downfield threat whatever the hell it is warrants to be the best wide receiver in college football. Okay. So 2019 is Jamar Chase's best year in college. Freshman year, 10 games, 23 receptions, 313 yards. Doesn't really matter. 2019, his sophomore season, he played 14 games, 84 receptions, 1,780 yards, and 20 touchdowns. 20 receiving touchdowns, and if it matters to you, 21.2 yards per average. Average reception is 21.2 yards. Nikhil Harry's average, if you're curious, his best, his junior year was 14.9. Jamar Chase's 2019 was a dominant downfield threat who was virtually unstoppable at the point of attack in college. That is Jamar Chase, a dominant downfield threat who is virtually unstoppable at the point of attack, not Nikhil Harry. If Jamar Chase busts in his first two seasons and, and his agent says, oh, I want to trade, oh, I don't think Cincinnati is a place for me, you still, I mean, probably a second, still third round pick. Look at Jamar Chase. Look at what he did in college. Look 
at the the reports and the scouting and the comparisons that he's getting. He has so much potential. And he was drafted so high for a reason. And look what he did in 2019. That is a player who could somewhat warrant a trade request at such a young age with no experience in the NFL. Not a 1,142 yards, 82 receptions. Like, the reception numbers, so his sophomore year, nice. I mean, he had 73 in 2018, his junior year, nice. But come on. This is just so stupid. This is just so stupid. This is such a bad look for Nikhil Harry and his agent. I, I, I really... I understand the the agent putting his client's best interest forward. I understand that and I support that. But within reason, when it's just, you have done nothing in this league to prove yourself. If you have proven yourself and it's just still not working in the NFL with the New England Patriots, then I would support this because you would see that time and time again. Is a player's played with a team for a couple years, not working out. I I just I I don't I just don't understand. This is just not a good look. This is just not a good look for Nikhil Harry, for his agent. I uh, I I want to understand and I want Nikhil Harry to perform so good this year, because a first round pick was used on him. A first round pick was used on him. So you kind of need him to do good. You kind of need him to do good. Otherwise, it's just going to be another first-round bust. And the Patriots have had plenty of those over the course of Bill Belichick's tenure. Not just first-round not just first round uh, players, just players in general. And we can't you know, ignore the fact that Bill Belichick this is his first time drafting a wide receiver in the first round, which was Nikhil Harry. But, I mean, just picks, picks, and picks have been busts. Nikhil Harry. Sony Michelle is on his way to do so. And I'm not even going to go into, you know, recent years, like, you know, second round bust and all that. But just let's look at the Patriots' um, depth chart. I don't want to say depth chart, but at least they're wide receivers, right? Let's just look at their wide receivers. Nelson Aguilar, Kristen Wilkerson, Devin Smith, Nikhil Harry, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Isaiah Zuber, Gunnar Oshleski, it's going to be tough for him to make the roster. I mean, obviously, Matthew Slater is technically, technically a wide receiver, but he's not going to be a wide receiver. He's the gunner for special teams, right? Nelson Aguilar, one. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, two. Jacoby Myers, three. Gunnar Oshleski, four. Nikhil Harry, five, I guess. But then you have Christian Wilkerson, Devin Smith, Isaiah Zuber, who are bubble players, and then Matthew Slater will take up another wide receiver spot. So how many wide receivers does Bill want to carry? That's the question. I, I, I don't know. I think I have to stop talking. I have to close the tabs out of my computer about this because otherwise I'm just going to keep talking and talking and talking about it, and it's just going to piss me off even, even more. So, okay, I'm done with the Nikhil Harry thing. Definitely comment down below if you're watching on YouTube or reach out to me on social media at Murphs underscore Boston ST where the ST stands for sports talk. I want to hear your opinions about this because clearly you know mine based off of that giant rant that's almost 20 minutes long now. I I, I need to know. 
is Nikhil Harry in the right to do this? Or is he just shooting garbage out of his ass? Because I think he just... Just give it one more year, maybe. Try to prove yourself this year. This year, prove yourself. And then you can request a trade. That Listen, listen. Patriots didn't give me an opportunity. I got my opportunity finally. And look at me. I'm thriving. You know, I just... I don't want to be here anymore. It's not working out. I had to force myself to put up these kind of numbers. Wait till next year. And then, obviously, if you ball out at, um, before the start of next season, that potential fifth-year option will be available. And if you trade before then, then the other team can use it, and it'll give you an extra year of security plus more money. Oh, the timing was just so bad for you, Nikhil. I am sorry. The timing was just so, so bad bad for you okay all right i'm done though but i do want to hear your thoughts about it so reach out to me on social media or down in the comments below if you're watching on youtube i want to hear your thoughts about it because i can't be the only one that has an opinion about this red Sox. let's just be blunt about it and switch over to the red Sox. um games against the angels were kind of struggling i mean they were close games First one, they won 5-4. The second one, they lost 5-3. And then they lost 5-4 uh, on Wednesday. They were off yesterday, and they played the Phillies today. I don't know. I mean, the tropical storm, so that might get pushed back. And then, I mean, they have the weekend series with the Phillies that I think they should be able to win. I don't know if they should sweep them. I mean, Phillies are doing okay. They're 42-43. and 43. Excuse me. Four games out of first place. That NL East, though, is getting a little interesting. You got the Phillies, Nationals, and Braves all four or four and a half games back. And then the Marlins are just eight and a half games out. Just like sneaky. Sneaky. I mean, the Marlins made the playoffs last year. Granted, it was an expanded field. But I don't know. I, I don't think they're, they're going to. I don't expect them to. But keep your eye on them. Keep your eye on them. Anyways, this is not about the Miami Marlins. It is about the Boston Red Sox. And I think two of three against the Phillies would be just, right? I mean, you spent an entire week on the West Coast. You had a rather successful road trip, I would say, right? You uh, won two of three against the Athletics, and then you lose two of three to the Angels. So I guess you split it. You go six and six. I'm sorry, three and three. Granted, it's a West Coast trip. I guess you'll take it, right? But, I mean, the two games you lost last night did not help. Or two nights. Hold on. The last two games of the series that you lost does not help you in the standings because the Rays swept the Indians. And they're now two and a half games behind you in first place instead of four and a half where it did start your Angels series. Hence why this series against the Phillies is kind of important to get back on track. Who are the Rays playing? The Rays are playing the Blue Jays. This weekend. Okay, that's interesting. So the Blue Jays are definitely going to want to kind of ball out that series because they're eight games out. Yankees are nine games out. Red Sox can go two of three, kind of keep the Tampa Bay Rays in check. Hopefully, the Blue Jays can. Obviously, all in efforts to kind of get closer on their end. I'm liking where the Red Sox are at right now. I just, no one really expected them to have the best record, or I guess tied for the best record in the American League. Astros are also 54 and 34, just as you are. And obviously, the Giants have the best overall record in baseball in terms of winning percentage at .628 because they're 54 and 32. So they just have two more, uh, two less losses than you have. 
I I really like the Red Sox right now. I still think that they need to go out and trade for a couple pieces. I'm hearing a lot of things about the Red Sox not trading for a bullpen arm because they would just they plan on using Chris Sale as that bullpen arm and their bullpen's actually really solid as it is right now and if you add Chris Sale to that bullpen then wow it's even more dangerous. And as much as I'm very cautious and hesitant to claim Chris Sale as a weapon, I've always said that he would be a much better use in the short term out of that bullpen because I don't want the Red Sox to rely on Chris Sale to come back as a starter because obviously starting is so much more challenging and difficult than it is as a starter. I mean, as a reliever, sorry. Starters have to go five, six, seven, eight innings. Relievers just have to go one, maybe two at best. And it's easier to to produce when you're doing shorter innings than it is when you're doing longer innings. And when your bullpen's already so good and your pitching rotation is okay as it is right now, I think you can afford to put Chris Sale in the bullpen. Maybe a couple spots starts here and there for like a double header or if, you know, just you, you're down an arm in the rotation, you know, say someone gets sick or something. And then you have Tanner Huck coming up from tri- AAA soon who will be your hopefully fifth starter replacing Garrett Richards hopefully soon because I think everyone under the sun here in New England is done with Garrett Richards. But I'm not going to get into that because I'm trying to keep this fairly positive because right now the Red Sox have surprised a lot of us, not just Red Sox fans, but baseball fans in general. No one saw the Red Sox being in first place this late into the season. People probably had the Yankees pegged. I kind of had the Blue Jays winning the division or at least being serious contenders to win the division. The Rays won it last year, made it to the World Series last year, and they're still balling out very well. I mean, if it wasn't for the Red Sox success so far, the Rays would be in first place. So you can't discount the Rays. But I am loving what the Red Sox are doing right now. I love what I'm seeing, but they do need to address their needs at the deadline. And I think a starter would be good. I don't know if they need to go out and get an ace, but with Tanner Hulk coming up with Chris Sale more than likely going to the bullpen according to reports and rumors. Do I see them addressing pitching at this deadline? No, but I still think they should because Evaldi's been doing fairly well, obviously being an all-star. Nick Pavetta has been a pleasant surprise this year. Eduardo Rodriguez knows how to pitch well. He knows how to be an ace, but he struggled this year. Martin Perez, he's had his ups and downs this year. And then obviously Garrett Richards can take a take a hike. Tanner Hawk would replace Garrett Richards. And then basically, do you want Martin Perez being your fourth, fifth guy? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I think I'd rather I think I'd rather try to go out and trade for someone. Potentially, maybe just like a rental where it's a low prospect, I would think would be a smart idea. But I also don't see Heim Bloom going out and trading for a rental giving up even if it's like a couple low-end prospects I just don't see him doing that so I think the pitching itself is going to be sticking the way that it is especially with Hulk and Chris Sale coming up if only one of them was on the horizon then I think the the need for a starter would be a little bit more uh, intense but with both of them coming up and both of them being able to start I just don't think there's going to be a need for the Red Sox to go out and get pitching as much as I'd like to see them go out and get pitching hitting wise I mean, as consistent as they've been ever since I chewed them out a couple weeks ago, I still think that they need to go out and get a left-handed bat, a first baseman even. I think I just don't think Bobby Dahlbeck's cutting it. 
people are saying Kike Hernandez has solidified himself as a leadoff hitter. Yeah, he's had a nice week or so, but like, are we really going to call an 0 for 4 hitter last night with one walk, excuse me? Our leadoff hitter moving forward. Oh, the other night he was 1 for 3 with a walk. Okay, that's nice. And then the first game against the Angels, he was 1 for 4 with a walk. I just, I'd rather have like an Adam Frazier up there, to be honest. I just, I would like to see the leadoff spot improved. I'm just not sold on Kike Hernandez. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I know a lot of people love Kike. Do you love me? I just, I'm all set. I, I don't mind him as like a platoon leadoff hitter or someone that's kind of 7, 8, or 9. Maybe 9 is the second leadoff hitter. But when Adam Frazier is kind of out there by the Pirates and Adam Frazier basically does the same thing that Hernandez does almost, I'd rather just have that because he's hitting like 3-something, three 326, I think, at least on Monday. When I recorded on Monday, he was hitting 3. Uh, let's just look him up just to get accuracy. He is hitting 326 right now. It's just like, would you rather have 326 as your leadoff hitter? Or would you rather have, let me just get Kike Hernandez up. Would you rather have 239 leading off? A whole 100 points higher. Just about a whole 100 points higher. And you'd probably have to give up a little bit more than a couple low-end prospects because Adam Frazier does have the rest of this year and next year for team control. If you want to win the World Series, that is the kind of move that you need to make if you're the Red Sox. This team needs help. They need to get bolstered. You cannot leave this team the way that it is and expect to win the World Series because you have teams like the Rays that are just chewing down the back of your throat. You have the White Sox who are doing exceptionally well, going to be running away with the AL Central fairly soon, if not already, being seven and a half games up on the Indians. You have the Houston Astros and the Oakland Athletics who are balling out in the um, AL Central. Then if you want to look at the National League real quick, I'm not doing the whole league thing right now, but just giving you an idea of the good teams that are out there. You have the Mets, you have the Brewers who are running away with the NL Central, you have the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres. So the National League is going to be good, and all those teams can hit. Every team that I just mentioned can hit the ball. So you're going to need pitching and you're going to be able you're going to need to be able to hit with them. And I think your lineup is one of those teams that can hit with anybody in the league. But why can't we get the richer to be richer? That's all. In baseball that's not a bad thing. In sports that's not a bad thing. The rich get richer. If you throw an Adam Frazier on your team, you have him in center field hitting 326 leading off. Do come how could you not want that? Because you like Kiki. Do you love me? You just like Kiki for the memes. That's all. I think the Red Sox need to go out and make a move. They need to make I would say at least two moves. I would say at least two moves. I don't really care what they I I do care what they are, don't get me wrong. But as long as they make two moves and show me that they are serious about this twenty twenty one Red Sox team, then I can get behind it. Like I said at the trade deadline for the Celtics, just make a move and show me you're serious. They go out and they trade for Evan Fournier. And then they go out and trade for Luke Cornett and Mo Wagner. How'd that work out? But at least they made moves, right? You can't be mad at them for making moves and showing you that, hey, we're actually going to try. The Bruins, 
they made a move. They made a huge splash by getting Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. And then they went out and got Mike Riley. They made moves to show you, hey, we're serious. Red Sox, you have to do the same thing. You have to do the same thing because you know, we know, that all these other teams, I'll just specifically say the American League. I'll just keep it to your league. The American League teams will go out and make a move. I don't know if the Rays will because they just called up Wander Franco and that's our big move. That's something the Red Sox would say. Because they're uh, a low-budget, we-like-to-win-with-our-own-guys kind of team. I could still see them making a small move. White Sox probably going to go out and make a move. They're being linked to some second baseman since Nick Madrigal is injured. Indians being seven and a half games out of the central, but I don't know where they are in terms of the wild card. They could make a move. Astros, Athletics, and Mariners, for once, the Mariners could be flirting with a wild card spot. They're like five or so games out last time I checked. They all could be making a move. And then you probably would expect the Blue Jays and the Yankees in your own division to make moves. I mean, I think the Yankees should be sellers this year, but I think that's going to rile up a lot of Yankees fans if they're listening. And I also want to talk more about the deadline as we get closer after the All-Star break. But everyone around you is going to be making moves. You cannot be the only team to not make a move. You cannot sit on your hands this deadline and watch the Blue Jays get better. The White Sox get a second baseman. The Athletics get pitching. You can't do that. You have to be aggressive. Go out and make a move. Don't make a dumb move just to make a move. Make a smart move. Make a smart move to help your team this year because the way that these players have bounced back after last year and after 2019 because they were disappointing then too is remarkable and they deserve it. The Red Sox deserve it. The Red Red Sox nation deserves it. All of New England deserves this team to make a move. And that is going to be my Red Sox minute, but I'm not done talking about baseball though. I'm not. First of all, hold on, hold on, hold the phone. Before I transition to a different subject, let me know what you think. Reach out to me on social media or comment down below in the comment section here on YouTube if that's where you're listening. Do you want the Red Sox to make a move? Who should they make a move for? As we get closer to the uh, trade deadline, once we get past the All-Star break, I'm going to be diving more into this about which moves that we could see around the league, not just for the Red Sox. Because I love the trade deadline season. It's one of my favorite in sports. And I really think that the Red Sox should go out and make a move. But I don't want to just be the only one with opinion. I know that you have an opinion as well, and I'd love to hear it. So let me know if the Red Sox should or maybe shouldn't make a move. And I want to hear why or why not. So that is my Red Sox minute or so, right? But we're going to stick with baseball still. And I want to talk about the Home Run Derby. Because the Home Run Derby is my favorite all-star event out of all of the all-star events. Football, I guess I guess the skills challenge or whatever, or whatever they call it. Basketball, I don't really watch the hockey all-star break, to be honest. But I love the Home Run Derby. In my opinion, it is better than the slam dunk comp. It is better than the uh, three-point comp. I, oh, it is just... When they first added the four-minute clock to the Home Run Derby, I thought it was stupid. Because I just want to see someone hit like 30. If they can hit 30 home runs in 10 outs, let them friggin' do it. But no, the adding the clock has added such a cool element to it. Oh my god, he only has 10 seconds. He has to hit two more home runs. Is he going to do it? Oh my god, he does it. It's going to overtime. Like, that's the stuff that gets really exciting. And 
after the first year seeing how exciting it was, I think that was the year John Carlos Stan. I think it was in Miami too that year. I think that that's when they added. I don't remember if he won it or not that year. Or maybe Aaron, Aaron Judge won it that year. But anyways. Anywho. We have our final list of participants for the Home Run Derby. And I am so excited. We have our first round matchups as followed. The number one seed, Shohei Otani versus the number eight seed, Juan Soto. Number two, Joey Gallo versus number seven, Trevor Story. Probably Trevor Story will be a Colorado Rocky for just a couple more weeks. He'll probably be traded. And since the All-Star game is in Denver, they're going to have a uh, Colorado Rocky player doing it. And it'd be stupid to have anybody other than Story. You just look around the league everywhere that it is somewhere that hometown player is doing it. It's just a fact. Bye, Bogey. Bogey just got off the little bench and he's waddling away. So this year it was supposed to be in Atlanta. You could probably expect Acuna or Ozzy Albies to be in the home run derby. Anyways, moving forward. Number three, Matt Olson versus number six, Trey Mancini. And then number four, a bit of a surprise here, but Salvador Perez of the Kansas City Royals versus Pete Alonzo, who will be defending his title from 2019. So this is our first home run derby in two years. And we have the defending champion, Pete Alonzo, back to defend his crown. This year, I am loving, absolutely loving the participants. It has been a struggle recently to find stars to participate in the home run derby. It has been a struggle. And they finally, they like incentivized you to doing it and to have basically the face of baseball, at least right now, Shohei Otani in it is incredible. He'll probably pitch to himself and hit, I mean, he should at least pitch to somebody, right? Imagine if like Mike Trout was doing it and he was like pitching to Mike Trout. That'd be pretty cool. Anyways, you have Shohei Otani, two-way star. You have Juan Soto, who's been claimed to be the next best outfielder that this game has ever seen. You have Joey Gallo, who mashes insane home runs and more than likely will be moved to the deadline. You have the hometown star, Trevor Story, who's going to be moved come the deadline. Matt Olson out of the Oakland Athletics, who has this weird, quirky little batting stance, but he hits the ball incredibly far, and he's a tre- tremendous defender. Trey Mancini, who just survived, uh, who missed last year because he had colon cancer, stage 3 colon cancer. He recovered, he's healthy, he's playing this season, and he's in the home run derby. So, first of all, bless up, congratulations on surviving stage 3 colon cancer. That's nuts. So, congratulations to you on that, and then congratulations on resuming your baseball career. Like, seriously, that's hard to do. So, he's in it. Then you have Salvador Perez, which, like I said, is a kind of a question mark, but you know what? One of the... the Great defending catchers this generation has seen. He's doing it. And then you have the defending champion, Pete Alonzo, the polar bear from the Mets as well. This is a great lineup. This is a tremendous, tremendous list of participations for this year's Home Run Derby. Now, Monday, I'll probably kind of go more into my predictions on, oh, one versus eight, two versus seven, who I think is going to win. I'll go more into that on Monday. But right now, as it stands, I'm kind of torn between a couple of players who I think is going to win. And I'm not going to say who's going to win because I want to save that for Monday. 
But there's a couple players that I think that could really, really win this home run derby. And I don't want to get too far into it because I don't want to spoil it. And you too could save this for Monday's episode before the home run derby. But I also wouldn't mind you reaching out to me or commenting down below who you think is going to win the home run derby this year. Like I said, if you want to be like me and keep it to yourself until Monday, that's fine. But if you want to just tell me now just to get that conversation and generate that discussion, hey, I'm all for it. I'll definitely engage in, engage in it with you. I'll tell you this. I don't really see Salvador Perez beating Pete Alonso in the first round. But if he does, watch him win the whole thing just because I said that. Now, that would be absolutely hilarious, and that'd be a total Murph thing, is saying someone's not going to win it, and then them win it. I think I might have even said that against Pete Alonso in 2019. I forget who his matchup was in the first round, but I don't think I had him winning. But, hey, you never know. You never know. We'll just have to wait and see, I guess. We'll just have to wait and see. But let's just go into a little bit more statistics about our participants this year. And we have some clubbers let me say we got some absolute clubbers so i'm gonna start with Shohei otani obviously he has 32 home runs as of now at least and his max distance on one of those home runs is 470 feet pete alonzo 15 home runs 443 feet trevor story 11 home runs 466 feet trey mancini 15 home runs 451 Salvador Perez, 20 home runs, 460 feet. Damn. Damn. Uh, Matt Olson, 21 home runs, 445 feet. Juan Soto, 11 home runs, 437 feet. And Joey Gallo, 23 home runs, 462 feet. Those stats are as accurate as of the start of games on Thursday, July 8th. So yesterday... Obviously, people could have hit a home run or two here and there between now, well, I guess during yesterday's game, but I don't know. I don't know. I do wish that we did see uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the home run derby this year again. That would have been absolutely awesome. Everybody loves Vlad. He's a wagon. He's crushing the ball. Him, Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, Shohei, Fernando Tatis, and Vlad all of them are like the top three leaders for home runs this year. And it would have been so cool to see all th- all three of them doing it this year. Especially with the hype that Fernando Tatis is getting and Vladimir Jr. is getting. That's what the game needs. And it's fantastic. Let me tell you, it is fantastic that both Shohei Otani and Pete Alonso are in it this year. If they weren't in it, this year would have so much less hype. It really would. Shohei Otani. Literally a two-way star, literally a Cy Young candidate. I don't know. I don't know about Cy Young candidate, but a top ten Cy Young award winner, maybe, and then MVP favorite, maybe. I mean, come on, come on! Like you can't get better than that. And then Pete Alonso, just simply because he's defending his crown. I I don't. He's not having no special year in my opinion, but just the fact that he's defending his crown, I think that is something that this game needs is to have the winner of the year prior to be in the home run derby. I mean, you have to like, I understand you have to incentivize these players, but I think the defending champion, you need to incentivize just a little bit more just to keep that, that recurrency kind of flowing, right? I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., he won it three different times. And I don't know if he ever went back to back. 
at all. I could be wrong, but he won it three times, and he's not going to win it three times unless he's in the home run derby three times, right? So it's good to see Pete Alonso and Shohei Otani back in it. I will tell you this. I guess I'll give you another little nugget. I'm interested to see how Trevor Story does, to see how he does, because I know it's a fact, not opinion, it's a fact, that the home run derby can affect a player's swing. Obviously, the pitches are much slower. Your swing is slightly different because obviously you're trying to hit home runs instead of maybe like line drives or base hits like you would in a normal game. So, I mean, Trevor Story only has 11 home runs this year. He's going to be traded. I 91% think he's going to get traded. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. But the games after the home run derby in the All-Star game, I wonder if he's going to perform better or perform worse, which could affect his trade value for a potential suitor. Keep an eye on that. Because we've seen countless times players in the home run derby couple weeks or so after, maybe even like, you know, the rest of the second half after, struggle because they got to get the timing down. They got to get their swing back and it can just be, it can be a mess and it can really mess up some hitters. And that's why hitters don't want to do it sometimes. But that reason for them to get their swing affected by the home run derby style, right? So I don't expect Trevor Story to fall for that because I mean I guess I fall in terms of getting his swing affected his timing affected because he's such a great hitter he's a pure pure hitter with a great glove not that it matters but just complimenting the guy right so it's going to be really interesting I guess you could say that for all of them like you know is it going to affect all of their swings but I mean besides Trevor's story the only one that's really on the trade market is Joey Gallo so I guess you could say the same thing for him as well when you look at story and Gallo and the the couple weeks after the home run derby and leading up to the trade deadline, how's their swing been looking in, in the games coming back? Like, do they still have it? How's their timing down? You know, their stats going up or down? Is their trade value going up and down? So just keep your eye out on that as well post home run derby because Story and Gallo are pretty much the two big names and probably the only big names on the trade market out of the participants for the 2021 home run derby because Otani ain't going nowhere. Alonzo isn't going anywhere. Perez ain't going anywhere. Soto and Olsen aren't going anywhere. And maybe, maybe Trey Mancini. I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think they would, but you never know. Hey, baseball is a strange, strange game. And if a team offers you a deal that you love and you can't ignore, no matter who it is, you got to pull it. Everyone, whether it's from the perspective of a player trading for a player, or if it's from the perspective of what a team or a general manager wants in return, everybody, everybody has their price. It's a fact. But folks, that's going to do it for today's episode of Merv's Boston Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining me on this incredible episode. I really think we had a good one today. Me ranting about Nikhil Harry. Uh, I guess raving about the Red Sox a little bit, but although they still have some unfinished business before the All-Star break, and then, of course, talking about my favorite All-Star event out there, the Home Run Derby. It is pouring outside. Tropical Storm, I think it's called Elsa, is here. It's upon us. It's wild. It's nuts. But that's not going to stop me from going to a card show. It is the Cranston Card Show in Coventry, Rhode Island. It is today, tomorrow, and on Sunday as well. If you're in the area, head over there. If you see me, say hi. Would love to 
love to have a conversation, whether it's about sports cards, whether it's about uh, something I talked about on the podcast, anything sport related. would love to have a conversation and see you out there. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. Reach out to me on social media at Murphs underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for Sports Talk. And also comment down below any of your thoughts, opinions, questions, comments, concerns, anything of the like. I really appreciate if you're watching this on YouTube, liking the video, subscribing to the channel if you're new or if you haven't considered subscribing yet. And like I said, also commenting down below. Thank you so much. And between now and next episode being on Monday where I'll be diving more into the Home Run Derby and also recapping the Red Sox first half of their 2021 season. Between now and then, you know that I love you and you know that I will always see ya. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.